I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Uh, today is our penultimate episode on cults, uh, at least for this year. Who knows what the future will hold? And today we're sort of moving away from the traditional image of cults, you know, the Jim Jones People's Temple or Charles Manson and his Manson family to a more modern style of cult, uh, a type of cult that operates less in the shadows, isolated from society, and instead is right under our noses. An organization which, on the surface, seems like an ordinary business, but scratch just below that surface and we find something as much a cult as anything else worthy of the label. Many of us, perhaps even most of us, either have been or know someone who has been unfortunate enough to work somewhere that was incredibly cliquey, with strange goings-on, things, or even financials that didn't add up. We might describe it as a cult-like atmosphere to our friends over a few drinks on a Friday night. I know I certainly have. <laughs> but few of us really truly believe that we're working for an actual bona fide cult. But for the employees and customers of an Albany-based company, that's exactly what they were a part of. What's up with upstate New York, y'all? Like... This is now the third one? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Is there something in the water there or like what? <laughs> yeah. So Albany based, we are, of course, talking about the sort of godfather of cults disguised as multi-level marketing schemes, Nexium. And for those of you who haven't ever seen that spelled out, that's spelled N-X-I-V-M, because vowels. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to even figure out how you pronounce it. Yeah. I think I heard you say it once, and I was like, what is that? And you spelled it out, and I was like, oh, yeah. that's it's what that, that is. Yeah. Just makes them seem pretentious. Yeah. But we'll get into all that, because there's oh, a yeah. lot of pretension. So... I'm really excited about this one because this is like my white whale cult. Uh, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, you, you love this one, whereas I'm just trying still to get my head around it. Cause... I mean, same, but like, ugh. I think that's a problem with it. Like, there's so much that go like went on. There's so much to it that it's like you could look at one arm of this cult squid and and still, like, you could spend months yes. reading about that. Yeah. Yeah, that that was my worry when writing the script. I was like, I don't know how to cover all of it. So yeah. there, are, there are big chunks missed out because we just don't have time. Yeah. But we could do, like, a year's worth of episodes and still not even cover, cover all of it. Cover everything. Exactly. But yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. So let's go back to the 1990s, where it all began. So Nexium was founded by Keith Ranieri, along with his then-partner Nancy Salzman, in 1998. Salzman was a former psychiatric nurse, and Ranieri had a, shall we say, complicated and questionable career in multi-level marketing. Uh, Ranieri founded a 
another multi-level marketing business called Consumer Byline in the early 90s. And I think it, it it's kind of the same. It ended up kind of being the same thing that Nexium yeah. turned into. Um, yeah, it, it ended up being, it was a pyramid scheme as opposed to a, yeah. a multi-level marketing company. And eventually it was shut down. He was fined. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. All that fun stuff. And Nancy Salzman was actually, um, she specialized in like a certain kind of hypnotism that like ultimately. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Ultimately, she then used in Nexium to build their curriculum. So we'll get to all that, but uh, that's a little bit of background. Um, So Nexium was essentially a self-help program running a series of uh, courses, programs that they called the Executive Success Program, which is (laughs) the stupidest name ever. So pretentious. And of course, these programs cost thousands of dollars per seminar and included a range of techniques for self-improvement. And founder Keith Ranieri reportedly claimed that the point of the Nexium programs was, quote, to have people experience more joy in their lives. Uh, Ranieri adopted the name Vanguard, which was reportedly taken from his favorite arcade game, in which the destruction of one's enemies increased one's own powers. Make of that what you will. Uh, Salzman adopted the name Prefect, which every time I read it, I read it as perfect. <laughs> um, and that was in supposedly in reference to her being Ranieri's first student and him being the leader of this philosophical movement. It is estimated that around 18,000 people took part in Nexium seminars and programs between 1998 and 2018. And a large majority of these people took a seminar or a series of seminars, paid a shit ton of money that it really wasn't worth, and then moved on with their lives. But some were really taken in by the charismatic, engaging leader, Ranieri, and began devoting their entire lives to Nexium and to him. And as part of their devotion to Nexium and Vanguard, Ranieri, however you wish to refer to him, these followers, who were mostly women, were tasked with recruiting more and more people into Nexium. And this is how the company turned into a multi-level marketing organisation. But before we get into that... Taylor is going to quickly tell us what exactly a multi-level marketing organization, or MLM, is. Yay! (laughs) So, um, multi-level marketing is defined uh, online by Oxford Languages as, quote, the practice of selling goods or services on behalf of a company in a system whereby participants receive commission on their sales as well as the sales of any participants they recruit uh so how this generally works is that a company let's use the body shop and as as an example because they're well known globally and cat has some insider knowledge yeah um, <laughs> i know a few i know quite a few people who who work for body shop yeah whereas i thought they just sold 
soaps in yeah. in in shopping malls. All right. So the body shop will advertise opportunities to become at-home consultants. And these at-home consultants will sign up and pay a joining fee of about £50 or about $70 based on this week's exchange rate. And so this £50, $70 pays for a starter kit, which includes products that are valued at about £300, as well as ongoing training and personal development to help you run your business. Um. You then sell the body shop's products and get commission on each order you place on behalf of someone else or like your customers. Um, in the modern era, especially since the beginning of the pandemic, consultants are encouraged to utilize Facebook groups, inviting their friends and encouraging those friends to invite friends with the promise of a competition for those who invite, you know, X amount of people to the group. You are also encouraged to recruit people to become consultants. And then you get a commission on everything those that you've recruited end up selling. So the more people you recruit, the more money you can earn. Some people are able to earn a full-time living from multi-level marketing schemes, but a staggering 99% of people who sign up to a uh, MLM will fail, ending up either in debt or just breaking even before they quit. And in some MLMs, it is incredibly difficult to leave, just like a regular cult. Uh, now, we've used the body shop in as an example because it's an organization we know more about, and it does have a fairly good reputation as far as multi-level marketing schemes go. But there are thousands of others out there that do not have a good reputation and prey on people who are vulnerable, especially in times of financial uncertainty like a pandemic or recessions or disaster, yeah. you know, natural disasters. And we have included, there is a link in the show notes to a website. Um, so it's called, is a MLM a good way to make money? So if, if you want to join MLM, please do your research first. Read into things like that. There's loads of links in that article as well. Yeah, definitely. You definitely want to like look at individual companies and see their reputations yeah. as well. Multi-level marketing schemes are often confused with pyramid schemes. And indeed, there are plenty of pyramid schemes masquerading as multi-level marketing schemes. But technically, they aren't the same thing. So the main difference, MLM recruiters will tell you, is that pyramid schemes are illegal. Whereas their miracle cure to cut belly fat, cure diabetes, or just sell you shit that you don't really want or need, is completely legal. And they are correct. Uh, Multi-level marketing schemes are legal, but pyramid schemes have been outlawed in many Many countries, including the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, most of the European Union, Switzerland, Russia, Turkey, Mexico, India, Sri Lanka, Thailand, China, Japan, Brazil, Colombia, and South Africa. Basically every corner of the globe. Yeah. And in some countries, MLMs are completely illegal as well. Oh. So at first glance, they do appear to be similar. Those at the top of the tree, or pyramid, are earning shit tons of money. Not only from their own commission, but the commission of those who they've recruited and they've recruited and they've recruited and blah, 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 blah. 
whilst those at the bottom are struggling to get by. They're just recruiting as many people as possible to try and recoup their money. But the main difference between the two is that a multi-level marketing scheme sells you an actual physical product. Whereas a pyramid scheme sells a promise or an idea. A way to get rich quick without putting any real work in. So in a pyramid scheme you're not selling an actual physical product to your recruitees. Your commission comes from the people you recruit and then who they recruit. Both are routinely confused with Ponzi schemes, but a Ponzi scheme operates more on a Rob Peter to pay Paul structure, where victims are conned into quote-unquote investing their money, but the con man then running the scheme keeps the money instead of investing it and lives a very lavish lifestyle generally. Then to pay back the original investors, they con others into investing and use that money to pay back the original investors. So Ponzi schemes are also illegal because they're a form of financial fraud. Um, So we don't really know um, a lot about what what went on in these Nexium seminars because their content is classed as a trade secret and therefore subject to non-disclosure agreements, which all attendees had to sign before the seminars began. Uh, However, there are a few things we do know about the structure of the organization and its hierarchy, which uh, was represented by colored sashes, uh, kind of similar to the colored belt system in martial arts. This is one of my favorite things. This phrase just keeps echoing in my head this week that in order to move up the sash, you know, hierarchy, it's Mm -hmm. called following the stripe path. No. Yeah. (laughs) Cause there's like the colored sashes and then you get like little stripes on them for different levels within each. So it's so it's a combination of martial arts and military ranking. Literally, though, yeah. <laughs> and they're the ugliest scarves. They're like, <laughs> they're like these like super shiny satin. Like, yeah. oh, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Um, yeah. So the followers are usually referred to as students, and according to Frank report, colored sashes are awarding uh, awarded according to the number of people the student has managed to recruit. And this isn't really anything new in multi-level marketing schemes. They often have colored tiers to demonstrate who has earned the most to motivate some by showing them what they can achieve or to humiliate others who have not earned enough. The same article, which is linked in the show notes, explains that some of these seminars are run as intensive seven or 16-day courses with reported prices ranging from $3,000 to $10,000 for the courses. Uh, The day begins at 8 a.m. when students are locked in the classroom to ensure that nobody can disrupt their learning. And then the classes go until as late as 11 p.m. Students have to remove their shoes at the beginning of the day and pay tribute to Ranieri or Vanguard uh, as the students were supposed to address him, obviously. Uh, and they are taught the correct way to shake hands as well as, because of course, a secret Nexium handshake. (laughs) 
and they're instructed that they had to bow to Ranieri uh, and Saltzman, whom they must address as prefect, uh, if they were to meet them. Yes. As I understand it, not everyone actually got to meet him. No, no. Because they, they were given this legend, yes, essentially. exactly. And like, as it so, yeah. got bigger, there were executive success program centers all over the world. Mm. So, you know, they had the one in Albany, but they also had one in Vancouver, LA, um, Mexico City, like yeah. all all kinds of places. So, I mean, I, now I don't know if this is part of his whole shtick, but I don't think he could be in multiple places at once. <laughs> no. Um, but that was part of like drawing people in was you might get the chance to meet him. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah. And so like the classes were run by members who were higher up the stripe path. So you have like, I think to be a, a teacher type it was called a proctor so you had to have mm. done x number of classes yourself thus putting in x amount of your own money and recruiting x amount of people and uh, these long days are punctuated with short breaks where students are offered small vegetarian snacks because according to Ranieri, heavy foods ruin concentration and make you drowsy which like sure carb coma but normal balanced meals are good for you no you just get one carrot every six hours mm -hmm. it's fine but food restriction is a common tactic used by cult leaders and this is because keeping your followers in a continued state of hunger dehydration and or exhaustion means they are more likely to be compliant they have less energy to think critically about the way the cult is being run or about what they are being subjected to and crucially, they are less likely to have the capacity to plan a revolt or to try and leave. Yeah. So, in between these veggie snacks, these students are taught about all of the horrendous problems with the world today. But it's not all doom and gloom, because there is one man who can save us all from this awfulness. None other than Vanguard himself, Keith Raniere. But the indoctrination into the world-saving abilities of Vanguard does not end there. Students are also told of his achievements as the world's foremost inventor, but, conveniently, that all of his inventions are far too advanced for normal humans to understand. Which is why we can't use them, we can't see them, we don't understand them. Of course. And this is due, of course, to his 240 IQ score. Okay. And his total recall memory, meaning he never has to take notes about anything. He also claimed to be a triple major uh, graduate from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Uh, students were also taught that Ranieri was a concert-level pianist and reading and writing whilst most kids are still in nappies. So at like the age of one or two. He was also the East Coast Judo Champion at the age of 12. Not the junior champion, the adult champion at oh, the age of 12 obviously makes total sense uh now as if all of this wasn't culty enough students were also taught that those outside of nexium especially those who tried to discourage others from joining the executive success programs were suppressives 
trying to impede the organization's development. Uh, and those who had left the group and rejected Ranieri and his teachings were said to have undergone, quote, the fall, becoming lost people for whom bad is good and good is bad. And some were even told that they were high-ranking Nazis in a previous life. Sounds great. Well, that's all that this story was missing. Yeah. Was high-ranking Nazis. Nazis. This is so similar to Scientology. Even just the wording of like, oh, this is a suppressive person. Like, oh. that's phrasing that they use in Scientology as well. And there's actually, yeah. there's quite a few similarities, including like, um, in Scientology, there's a, a, a thing called like, auditing which you like obsessively talk about like uh, feelings or experiences or something in an attempt to to go clear on them and absolve them from your whatever uh and they do a similar they did a similar thing in nexium called a em i think it was like an exploration of meaning and you basically like sat down in front of a group of people and relived a traumatic experience and that was supposed to like cure you of that trauma well on uh so on wikipedia on the nexium page there is a little infographic that shows uh influences upon nexium beliefs and practices and hubbard brackets scientology mm -hmm. is one of those direct influences oh yeah we've also got judo just judo, yep. multi-level marketing, the U.S. Navy. Oh yeah, um, and off of that, there's like um, scouting and acting. They kind of branch off the U.S. Navy. Uh -huh. um, saucer culture. I don't know what that is. Space opera, sci-fi. Yeah, Freud, Freemasonry. That there's all kinds of hypnosis. Yep. Uh, Rand, objectivism. It's really like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So all that fun stuff. Now, concerns about the group's practices began to surface in the media in the early 2000s, just a few years after Nexium was founded. A cult investigator, Rick Allen Ross, began investigating Nexium and in 2003 published excerpts from the organization's handbook. Ooh, I bet they didn't like that. No. Uh, this led to a lawsuit due to the previously mentioned NDAs and trade secret status of the organization's techniques, uh, although it was dismissed, and then dismissed again following an appeal from Nexium. Ross concluded that Nexium's practices were, quote, expensive brainwashing, uh, and... Then this was followed by more negative publicity for Nexium in Vanity Fair and Forbes, among other publications. Nexium were reportedly expecting a series of glowing articles from the U.S. publications, but were stunned when Edgar Bronfman Sr. was quoted as saying he believed that Nexium was a cult. So Edgar Bronfman Sr.'s words were significant for a number of reasons, one being that he was an influential businessman. But the other was that his daughters, Claire and Sarah, had well and truly drunk the Nexium Kool-Aid. Or Flavor-Aid, you know, for accuracy. Uh, the sisters had reportedly loaned 
$2 million to Nexium, which was to be repaired via personal sessions with Nancy Salzman, or Prefect. They'd detached themselves from the family, and their father had become worried not just about the financial impacts of their involvement in Nexium, but also about the emotional and mental strain. In the following years, the sisters would go on to make a number of very bad, very large investments based solely on Ranieri's advice, and it seems that most, if not all, of these investments were failures. Um, yeah, he had no idea what he was doing, he just told them what to invest in. Yeah. And I can't, rem- I can't remember the final figure. I saw it the other day and I was like, I need to write that down. <laughs> the- I can't remember how many, like, millions, oh, like tens of millions they lost, if not into hundreds of millions. I can't remember. I, I think all told they put, like, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars into See, see I have $200 million yeah. in my head for some reason. Yeah. That sounds right. But then I was like, did I just add some extra zeros and it was actually just 20 million? No. It's a fuck ton of money. I love that there's people with the kind of money where we can talk about just 20 million. Just 20 million. million. Well, and so the the Bronfman's, that family is the Seagram Beverages uh, fortune. So big, big, big money. (laughs) Yeah. But... It seems that despite these very public concerns, Nexium just kind of went back to normal and continued to grow and attracted more and more wealthy and influential students. Now, as well as attracting all kinds of celebrities, uh, politicians and societies elite across the US, Canada and Mexico, Nexium also began to utilize these connections uh, to exert power over New York's legal system. It's never, mm. never good. Nexium kept a number of files on high-profile political figures, including political consultant Roger Stone and Senator Chuck Schumer, as well as George Randolph Hearst III, CEO of the Hearst Publishing Empire. Uh, in 2008, the Bronfman sisters put pressure on district attorneys in New York and New Jersey Uh, New Jersey's Attorney General and even the New York Governor Elliot Spitzer to begin criminal investigations into critics and enemies of Nexium. And at the same time, the group were organizing meetings between Ranieri and the Dalai Lama, who came to Albany to speak in 2009. I mean, that is just crazy. It's it's wild. It wasn't actually quite as simple as that because the Dalai Lama kept cancelling because of all this negative publicity, but was eventually persuaded. They, yeah, it was something like Nexium or the the Bronfmans agreed to donate uh, like an obscene amount of money to something that the Dalai Lama was supporting or drawing attention to, and mm. they like managed to just sneak Ranieri in to like basically like a a passage time between one of the Dalai Lama's events and another one and of course the Nexium people like pitched it as like well it's this big deal and they they had this meeting and they had all these camera crews and shit but in actuality it's just like he was going from one speaking engagement to the other and they were like walking down yeah. the corridor together kind of thing <laughs> so basically what happened was they ambushed yeah, the Dalai Lama pretty much <laughs> which like just seems rude mm. 
then things all go a bit quiet on the Nexium front again, at least as far as the general public and mainstream media are concerned. A small expose came out in 2010, where former Nexium coaches described students as prey and described the organisation as little more than a vehicle to enable Ranieri to explore his sexual preferences with vulnerable people. And gamble with other people's millions. Um, This Times Union article alludes to the organisation as a sex cult, but that didn't seem to raise any alarms amongst the public, and once again, Nexium continued as normal, recruiting more and more people and preying on more and more vulnerable women. So the makeup of Nexium's students was reported to be three quarters female. That's a lot. Yeah, that was until 2017 when reports began to surface about a secret group within Nexium called DOS. And that is when the executive success program really hit the fan. <laughs> yeah. um, so in 2017, investigative journalist Frank Parlato began investigating Nexium, and his articles on the organization can be found at frankreport.com. Um, and he published an article about how women were essentially slaves within DOS and Nexium. This was followed by an article in the New York Times about the practices of this secret group, DOS. Sarah Edmondson is a former member of Nexium and DOS, and she helped lift the lid on what exactly had been happening within the organization. But to understand all of that, we have to go back a few years. So as Nexium had grown throughout the 2000s, one of the influential celebrity followers it had attracted was an actress named Alison Mack, who joined Nexium in 2010 alongside her Smallville co-star, uh, Kristen Crook. Now, although Crook didn't stay with Nexium for very long, uh, she left in 2013, Mack became one of the organization's biggest supporters. Uh, recruiting family and friends to take seminars and becoming very close to uh, Nancy Saltzman and her daughter, Lauren. Uh, Mac even picked up stakes and moved from Canada to Albany just to be close to the organization's headquarters. According to some sources, Mac overtook Saltzman and became Ranieri's second in command. Whether or not she did take Saltzman's place, one thing we do know for sure is that Mac was one of the leaders of the now infamous group within Nexium known as DOS. So DOS stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium, um, which we're just going to refer to as DOS, yeah. because I can't say that again, <laughs> uh, which roughly translates to Master Over Slave Women. I actually googled it to check what the exact translation was apparently it's not actually latin it's like pig latin yeah it's not uh but yeah master over slave women and that's exactly what ranieri mac and lauren salzman were masters over a select group of women this secretive sisterhood as it has been referred to began in 2015 and saw dedicated female members of nexium recruited by Mac, supposedly into a group of like-minded strong empowered women but like everything else within Nexium, DOS was not at all what it seemed. Uh, Mac, Ranieri and Salzman were masters of this select group of women who were referred to as slaves. And as part of the induction into DOS, the women were required to hand over explicit or compromising photos or videos of themselves as collateral to ensure they did not reveal what went on in DOS. But one woman decided that she had had enough of Nexium and DOS and their predatory behaviour. 
and in 2017, Sarah Edmondson went public and told the story of her time in Nexium and DOS. Sarah had been a member of Nexium since 2005 and was recruited into DOS by Salzman in either 2015 or 2016, not entirely sure, but left in early 2017 after her experience. On the advice of another former member, Sarah contacted Frank Pilato and he began publishing uh, articles about Nexium and he agreed to keep Sarah anonymous. Uh, the aim was to raise awareness of DOS and stop its most painful part of the initiation process. Although a few months later, in mid-2017, Sarah finally went public with the New York Times. And her story, you can also listen to in depth on uh, in the CBC Uncover podcast. Mm. And I think that, I think it's season two. And it's called season one. I or think. season one. And it's called like Escaping Nexium. Um, very, very good. Highly recommend. Oh, and she's also the sort of main subject of the HBO documentary series The Vow. Um, so what was that painful initiation process? <laughs> well, uh, Sarah and the other initiates were told they were going to be tattooed in sort of the pelvic region uh kind of like hip bone area right in a position that could be easily covered with underwear and according to sarah she was instructed to ask lauren salzman to brand her she was then blindfolded and pinned down on a table by three other members of dos but instead of receiving a tattoo sarah and the other inductees into dos were branded and this wasn't kind of, you know, cattle type branding where you stick an iron in a fire and then press it to the skin, which, you know, is over and done within a few seconds. No, no. This was done with a cauterizing pen and took an estimated 20 to 30 minutes. That is horrific it's like, horrifying you cannot, you cannot understate what that is if you're expecting to be tattooed and then you are burned for a half an hour yeah and like, and the entire time that it's happening you're supposed to be silent and grateful yeah you're also blindfolded and being and being down. held down yeah and all those other women in the room pinning you down are realizing they're next yeah it's horrifying and yeah like and the other thing so uh we'll get into this in a minute but like there were different sort of subsets within dos and for some of them the members were the ones who were forced to brand like their other their same yeah. level members so it's just like layers and layers and layers of horrible yeah um and to add in to all of that the brand uh which was initially pitched as like a symbol to represent the elements earth water fire all that shit mm -hmm. if you look close enough you can see it's actually a combination of Keith Raniere and Allison Mack's initials. Yeah. Cool. And 
if all of this wasn't bad enough, and it certainly is, uh, there were also reports of the women being forced into sexual slavery, which, you know, is really just a more palatable term for sexual abuse and rape. According to an article by Refinery29, the sexual abuse stemmed back to Ranieri's belief that his sperm could control women. Sure. Uh, Why not? Uh huh. For all of his IQ points, this guy doesn't seem so smart. No. Uh, one former member explained that followers were told that if they were sad or feeling pain, then Ranieri was sad and feeling pain. And if they did anything wrong, it would affect Ranieri. And if Ranieri was unhappy, he would essentially uh, sort of sick his followers on the woman who had wronged him until they got back in line. Yeah. It's proper, like, pack mentality. Yeah. Uh, the women chosen to be inducted into DOS were all women who Ranieri considered sexually attractive. And these women were subject to severe diet restrictions to ensure that they maintained the body type which was acceptable to Ranieri. Uh, they were also uh, encouraged to attend volleyball practice on an evening. And even those who like didn't like sports felt like pressured into doing it because it was a way for them to be closer to Ranieri, maintain favour with him and with uh, Alice and Mac. And some even thought that it was like a test of their loyalty, mm-hmm. whether they went or not. And punishments within DOS for breaking any of the rules were painful, violent, and just straight up, st- straight up sadistic. Members were whipped on the bare ass, forced to walk through the snow barefoot, or hold painful poses for extended periods of time. Yeah, and like among all of the kind of crazy shit that went on in DOS, they were also forced to do readiness drills where basically the master would text all of the slaves um, ready question mark and if they had to respond within like 30 seconds at any time of day and if they didn't then You know, any number of these punishments came in, not just for the person who was late, but for everyone else in the group, too, of course. And there's a... So in the documentary series, um, I think it's called Seduced, uh, which is about Mm -hmm. India Oxenberg's experience with Anexium and DOS. Um, She... They make a really good point where they're like, why would they ever need to be ready? Like, what is this readiness? Apparent, like, it's like, yeah. a, it's a military thing. It's the yeah. Navy. It's like ready at a moment's notice. And um, some of the talking heads in that, they're like, it seems highly likely that he was trying to radicalize and militarize his followers. And yeah. he just, didn't get the chance because the people caught on to him before that happened yeah i mean if if he had like a few more years say if we were only just discovering it now yeah. what would be yeah, who the knows? state of, of that uh we should also note that there were reportedly a number of different circles within dos as taylor mentioned earlier 
and not all women were branded. Not that that excuses any of Nexium's behaviour, but it does seem there were like various levels to DOS, much like Nexium itself, and that the aim was to have thousands of women inducted into DOS, and Ranieri was also reportedly planning um, to have DOS members uh, run for state and national office and hold political power. Yeah. So that makes sense with like the the military style yeah. training and, like, and radicalization. Yeah, like taken over. And also we should say that like this DOS group was initially sold to people, to women as having nothing to do with Nexium, being like separate mm-hmm. outside of it, and also having nothing to do with Keith Raniere. Yeah. So most of these sort of lower level tiers in DOS didn't even know that he was involved. Yeah. Um, and when in actuality he was pulling absolutely all of the strings. Yeah. And holding everyone's collateral. So following Sarah Edmondson's story being published in the New York Times, hundreds of members began to leave Nexium. And in late 2017, Law enforcement began to investigate Ranieri, Mac, and the Salzmans. In March 2018, Ranieri was arrested in Mexico on charges of sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. He appeared in federal court in Fort Worth before being transferred to New York and held in custody. Uh, Charges of racketeering were later filed as well. Uh, Ranieri pleaded not guilty to all charges. In April, Allison Mack was also arrested on charges relating to sex trafficking. She was accused of coercing women into sexual activity with Ranieri and performing other tasks for him, uh, for which he paid her. Mack was released on $5 million bond and subject- subjected to house arrest until the trial. Yeah, I think she was like placed under house arrest but at her parents' house in California. Yeah. So she was essentially handed into the custody of her parents. Uh, Uh, In 2019, she pleaded guilty to racketeering charges. Uh, In May, prosecutors seized Nexium properties in New York and conducted raids on the homes of numerous high-ranking Nexium members, including Nancy and Lauren Salzman. I don't know if we made this clear, but Lauren Salzman is a fully grown adult. Yes. Because we keep referring to her as (laughs) Nancy's daughter. She's not like a teen. I mean, I'm sure she was... um, you know, brainwashed from being a child or a teenager. But she was, at this point that we're talking about, she was a fully grown adult. She was not like a little little girl. Yes, yeah. And so. uh, Lauren Salzman is, I believe, who recruited Sarah Edmondson into DOS mm. and was her quote-unquote master. So after the property raid, Nexium was reported to have moved to Brooklyn. It was being led by Claire Bonferman, uh, but she was later arrested in July 2018 and charged with racketeering, but was released on a $100 million bond and subject to house arrest, which when you've got the kind of money that that family has, is house arrest really that bad? Yeah. Like, I'm sure you have a mansion the size of Disneyland. Oh, easily. And like, they were just, you know, wiping their noses with $100 million Nexium, so like mm. there's no big yeah. deal yeah 
I couldn't find out what to happened Sarah? to her sister. She seems to be talked about less. Uh, so Nancy and Lauren Salzman were both arrested and charged with racketeering. And in 2019, both pleaded guilty. Uh, Nancy Salzman pleaded guilty to racketeering criminal conspiracy and Lauren pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy. Uh, in May 2019, Ranieri's trial began. It lasted seven weeks. Witnesses included Lauren Salzman, uh, filmmaker and Farmanexium member Emak uh, Vicente, uh, various victims whose identities are protected, and cult investigator Rick Allen Ross, who you may remember was one of the first people to accuse Nexium of being a cult way back in 2003. It took the jury just five hours to find Ranieri guilty of sexual exploitation of a child and possession of child pornography with regard to a minor victim known as Camilla, sex trafficking of a woman uh, named Nicole, attempted sex trafficking of a victim known only as Jay, identity theft against Edgar Bronfman, James Lopifido, Ashana Chinoa, uh, someone known only as Mariana, and Pam Kafritz. So that's a lot of people that, to try and use identities want to try and steal. Yeah. Uh, trafficking for labour and services of a victim known only as Daniela. Uh, forced traffic, uh, forced labour of the woman known only as Nicole. Conspiracy to alter records for use in official proceedings. And finally, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labour conspiracy, racketeering conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. All your conspiracies. Ranieri was sentenced to 120 years in prison, which he is serving at the U.S. Penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and he was fined $1.75 million. Not nearly enough, if you ask me, but... No. Uh, in 2020, further charges were filed accusing Ranieri and some associates of conducting psychological psychological experiments on members of Nexium. Allison Mack's sentencing trial is due to begin next week on June 30th, and she faces a minimum of 15 years to life in prison. Uh, the Saltzmans are also still awaiting sentencing. Claire Bronfman was sentenced to six years and nine months for conspiracy to conceal and harbor illegal aliens for financial gain and fraudulent use of identification was fined $500,000 in order to pay restitution of $96,000 to a victim known as Jane Doe 12 and is currently incarcerated at the Federal Detention Center in Philadelphia. I mean, that shows just how many victims there are that they have to number their Jane Doe's. Yeah. And they've also got victims who are known by pseudonyms. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, the The reach of this is so huge. And I feel yeah. like we're not really going to know how huge until, you know, 25 years down the line. I think, I don't think we'll know until he dies because I think there will be people who are literally living in oh, fear. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Because of what you're about to tell us next. <laughs> yes. Because, would you believe, there are a number of Nexium and Ranieri loyalists operating under a new name. They're known as We Are As You, which 
is not a good name. It's really shit name. It's terrible. It's hard to say. It's confusing. Whatever. Um, and, of course, Keith Raniere maintains his role as head of the group from behind bars. Uh, and that is the story of the Nexium cult. It's wild. And and like we said, like there's there is a lot of detail out there that like if you wanna if you wanna go down this rabbit hole, you can go down it in like twenty different ways. Which yeah. is interesting to me because like it's it's an interesting one to come back to as more information is revealed as well. Mm. Um Yeah. Uh but like it just sucks. Like, it sucks so bad. First, you know, uh, on the very base level, you're exploiting people who are trying to improve their lives or trying to get over traumatic experiences or whatever it may be, and you're bleeding them of thousands and thousands of dollars. And then in the process, like, indoctrinating a bunch of them into this total bullshit like crazy criminal organization and it's not just it's not just thousands it's tens of thousands it's hundreds, it's hundreds of, thousands of thousands in some cases yeah. that you know the very wealthy it was into the millions yeah. it wasn't a low level scheme no and it wasn't like something just got out of hand it was very clearly planned oh yeah uh, as this predatory organization from the outset uh, one thing we haven't discussed is Ranieri's upbringing or background because we just do not have time, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he did not achieve all of the things he claimed to have achieved no. as a child. <laughs> he was a predator from a very young age. Like He was in his early 20s and he was grooming 14-year-olds because it's not dating. When they're 14 or 15-year-olds, it is grooming. Yeah. If you are into your 20s, it is grooming. Yeah, so... He was doing this at a very young age and then quite clearly continued on because he's been found. Is it found guilty of possession of child uh, possession, pornography and exploitation of a child. Yeah. So clearly yeah. there's more of that that was happening within Nexium than I think honestly gets talked about because and all of these mm. various high-profile things that cover it, that's not really mentioned. No, because the whole, like, DOS can be made into this very scintillating, mm -hmm. scandalous affair, yeah. almost. It's like an S&M sex cult, which is what they always call yeah. it. Like, when in actuality it's like, this guy controlling women and coercing them into abuse of many kinds mm. and raping them yeah. in a lot of yes. instances. And that actually leads us into the next point, which is Nexium has a body count. So one of these young girls who Ranieri had a relationship with, groomed, I think she was 14 or 15, uh, she later took her own life. Yep. And there's a lot of questions around his to what extent he was involved or at fault, or if he drove her to take her own life. Mm -hmm. Various defectors, detractors, critics have gone missing. Uh, one of those is a woman named Kristen Snyder. 
Yes. Who there's an oxygen article which we'll put in the show notes. Um so she vanished in Alaska. So uh, under Keith Ranieri's Wikipedia page, they talk about the death of Gina Hutchinson and the disappearance of Kristen Snyder. So Kristen Snyder paid $7,000 to enroll in a 16-day course in Anchorage conducted by Nancy Salzman. Following January, she traveled to visit Ranieri and other leaders in New York. Snyder's mother recalled that her daughter, quote, had come to believe she was responsible for the Columbia shuttle disaster and thought Keith was incredible. And then they went to, of course, in Anchorage. Um, Clifford later reported that on the 10th day of the course, Snyder began claiming to be pregnant with Ranieri's child. Um, in 2019, it was revealed that Claire Bronfman had claimed Snyder was indeed pregnant with Ranieri's child. And then Snyder was last seen leaving the seminar and her car was found in Seward, Alaska. And the su- the supposed suicide note said, I was brainwashed and my emotional center of the brain was killed slash turn off. I still have feeling in my external skin, but my internal organs are rotting. I am sorry, life. I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future. And there was another page that said, no need to search for my body. That's not... uh... That's suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of questions about a lot of things. Um, And I think that, like, as more information comes out, as more people are put behind bars, you know, all of these various things, more of these details of things that have been covered up are going to come out. Like even just that, the, the bit about um, Snyder saying that she was pregnant with Ranieri's child was confirmed, you know, as much as it can be by Claire Bronfman in 2019. So that's after all these arrests have happened and stuff. Yeah. So, there's clearly something going on there if that's, you know, still being talked about. Still something that's been talked yeah. about like 16 years later. Very suspicious. And that shows that it didn't, whatever they were doing, it did not take long no. for them to take hold. Yeah. This is like two 16 day courses. Yeah. This is like a month. Yeah. We, we all like to think that we're too intelligent to fall for this shit but we're not yeah, like and clearly they were doing something yeah. to uh, that Kristen snyder you know she was well educated she had a master's degree mm-hmm. you know quite professionally accomplished you wouldn't think of her being vulnerable or falling victim to something yeah, like this and like it, um if you look at some of the higher ranking members within nexium they had uh, well-respected physicians who in the process of joining and working their way up the ranks of Nexium, started doing research quote-unquote but probably were some of those psychological experiments where they like mm-hmm. used um like a not an electrode helmet but like an electro sensor like 
brain helmet oh, yeah. on people kind of things and and that's just what we know about the doctor who allegedly uh branded uh sarah yeah. edmondson was you know a qualified medical doctor well respected yep. yet she was doing yeah. that allegedly yes. <laughs> of course um like there were high-ranking business people and the Bromfmans, uh, Mark Vicente was a documentary filmmaker who, uh, the film that he had produced was called What the Bleep Do We Know? And it's all about like neuroscience. And so like, these are people who are either highly educated, have done research in certain areas, highly successful, like it, it, it and, and all of other all of the other walks of life as well so it really covered everything no one was immune um yeah i don't think we need to really ask this question but cult yay or nay oh for sure yeah the yays have it yeah 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 definitely a cult definitely probably even more culty than we even know at this point yes think it's just gonna get worse yeah and let's say that obviously Alison Mack's sentencing begin hearing begins next yeah. week more will probably come out after that oh, yeah. the Salzman's there yet to be sentenced mm-hmm. I believe so more will come out after that but because they're still operating as this this little what we are as one or whatever what was it Y'all's called you there will be things that will come out in years oh, to yeah. come. Uh, Ranieri is only... He's 60. So, yeah, that's probably... He's got a few years left in him. Yeah. Um. So, you know, in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever, I think there'll be a lot more comes out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, potentially... A lot of the press about Nexium may well have led people to discovering Ranieri and becoming enchanted with him. And, you know, mm-hmm. as as happens with serial killers or cult leaders, you know, the Manson, Charles Manson yeah. thing. Um, well, te- uh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yep. He's got more attention yeah. now than he ever did before. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh that's, that's next yeah, That certainly is. Lots of links below. We'll point you in all the places if you want to go have a field day and read all about this stuff. Cause there's a lot out there that we just didn't have time to cover. But um Yeah. Definitely a crazy one. Mm-hmm. Uh so if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Uh, and do subscribe to us so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to get some Square Mile merch uh, and rep us in the streets, as the kids possibly say, I don't know. I'm not one of them. I don't think they've said that since we were kids. Ah, uh, bummer. It's such a fun phrase. <laughs> Um, but if you do want to do that, we do have a selection of uh, products with 
some cool designs, square mile murdery designs, and you can find those at the link in our show notes or on our website. If you would like to help us cover the costs of making the podcast and invest in the future of the show, you can join our Patreon page. Tiers start at just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes one day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive merch. So check that all out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Links are in all the usual places. Uh, and we'll be back next week for the final cult of June. Yes. And this one uh, is kind of a cult serial killer crossover. Yeah, it's 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 a weird, it's an ambitious yeah, and one. It's, uh, it's quite topical related to a recent Netflix yes. series. So you can maybe figure it out from that. <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, we will see you back then. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.